This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Good evening, everyone. Welcome again to the Model 3 Owners Club podcast. I am your host, and I'm joined by our usual cadre of people. We have Eric Camacho from Florida. How are you doing, Eric? Doing Eric well. Camacho. Hello, everyone. Oh, hi. <laughs> Michael Bodner as well from Florida. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing well, thanks. Hi, good. everyone. Yes, and uh, last but not least, of course, is our good friend Ian Pavelko from Montreal, Mr. Mad Hungarian himself. How are you doing, uh, Ian? I am very well. Thanks for asking. Bonsoir tout le monde. Yes, as usual. Well, we certainly had a lot of fun this past week doing our stuff, but we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, of course, the big news this week is uh, Tesla finally released their Model 3 production numbers. Well, actually, all of their production numbers. I'm going to read you uh, a little bit of a paragraph that uh, Tesla put out here so that everybody's on the same page so we can have a good discussion about this. So uh, Tesla says, in quotes, uh, 53,239 Model 3 vehicles, which was in line with our guidance and uh, almost double the volume of Q2. That's crazy. Anyway, uh, during Q3, we transitioned Model 3 production from entirely rear-wheel drive at the beginning of the quarter to almost entirely dual motor during the last few weeks of the quarter. That's an interesting uh, changeover, of course. Uh, this added significant complexity, but we successfully executed this transition and ultimately produced more dual motor than real-wheel drive cars in Q3. In the last week of the quarter, we produced over 5,300 Model 3 vehicles, almost all of which were dual motor, meaning that we achieved a production rate of almost 10,000 drive, uh, drive units per week. That's crazy. Uh, 26,903 Model S and X vehicles, which was slightly higher than Q2 and in line with our full year guidance. Q3 deliveries, now this is the big one here because this is where they get to realize profits, totaled 83,500 vehicles, of which five, uh, 55,840 Model 3s, 14,470 Model S, and 13,190 Model X. To put this into perspective, in just Q3, we delivered more than 80% of the vehicles that we delivered in all of 2017, and we delivered about twice as many Model 3s as we did in the previous quarters combined. 8,043 Model 3 vehicles and 3,776 Model S and X vehicles were in transit to customers at the end of Q3 and will be delivered in early Q4. Our overall target of 100,000 Model S and X deliveries in 2018 remains unchanged. Our net income and cash flow results will be announced along with the results, uh, rest of our financial performance when we announce Q3 earnings. We can expect that in just a little over a month. Holy mackerel, these numbers are just crazy. This must be frustrating the shorts like you and Bully. You think? Oh, that's just crazy. You know, the S curve is finally here. We've hit that upward uh, slant on the S curve. Um, of course, Tesla's been saying for a long time they want to get to 10,000 cars. I would suspect they'll get that um, sometime, uh, probably in the next. Uh, uh, probably about a year or so, but they need to because they, they have to get into the uh, standard range car, of course, and they have to open up to the European and Pacific Asian countries as well. So good news all the way around. Eric, you were saying a little bit earlier um, something about numbers, of course, not only just the deliveries, but what does this mean for sales in North America? Uh, the numbers are crazy. 
The numbers are, in fact, crazy. So we were talking before the show about where the Model 3 ranks in terms of comparing to other sedans in the market and those that are like luxury brands. So let's just look at uh, just good old-fashioned sedans in America. So for the first time ever, an electric vehicle had outsold all sedans in America except for four, two from Toyota, the Corolla and the Camry, and then two by Honda, the Civic and the Accord. So to know that the Model 3 has outsold the Nissan Sentra, the Ford Fusion, the Ford Focus, the Chevy Malibu, the Ford Mustang, uh, the Elantra, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's an impressive feat on its own, and we still have so much more to go. It is possible that when we're talking about this number three months from now, when Q4 is over, we could possibly see the Model 3 as the number one selling car in all of North America for sedans. Uh, and that, as an electric car, is an amazing feat. Now, for luxury brands, this is even more impressive. Um, so we announced the numbers. 55,840 Model 3s were sold in the third quarter. Most of them, of course, were given to American customers. Some in Canada, our neighbors to the north, as you guys can attest. Ian, thank you for being one of those very many uh, new owners. I'm doing my part, man. Absolutely. Uh, but believe it or not, the Audi Q5, which is a wonderful car in its own right, came in second with 21,000 in the quarter. So the Model 3 had more than double the number of Audi Q5s sold and delivered uh, in Q3. But it doesn't even stop there. The Model 3 also outsold all Acura, all Lincolns, uh, and had more Model 3s sold than Lexus, BMW, Mercedes, and Audi, just in terms of cars. Now, if you include SUVs, yes, those uh, manufacturers can go beyond that. But when you're looking at car-to-car, the Model 3 outsells all of those brands, which is amazing when you think about it, when people were scrambling to find out when they're going to get their car, even just a year ago. It's just crazy. <laughs> I can't believe this. Now, uh, you know, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here because a lot of people online are saying, and this is the usual refrain, well, they're just fulfilling the backlog. It can't be sustainable. And to Duh. that we say, Haha, don't think so because we haven't even seen the base model yet. You have any idea how many people are waiting for the base model? I mean, put your hand up. I mean, of course, my wife is over there, so I just can't put her hand up. Uh, waiting for base model. There's so many people waiting for base model. They haven't opened up the markets into uh, Europe yet, uh, Asia Pacific countries, of course, and let alone uh, uh, let alone North America. And of course, we're all, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, and that's the Model Y, which will be a small SUV, CUV based on the Model Three platform. Uh, that is hopefully supposed to be. Uh, shown or revealed sometime in March in the early spring. So when that drops and they start taking reservations, I mean, that's the best-selling market in North America, really, is this is the CUVs. I mean, yes, Model 3 is doing really well in the sedan market. We haven't seen anything yet, I don't think, personally. That's just my opinion. But, yeah, judging from all the cars I see in my neighborhood, it's uh, there's a lot of small SUVs and, and stuff. So, um, Michael, you, yeah. your wife just took delivery of her Model 3, um, of course, discounts in as the third quarter, of course, so, um, you got a little bit of, um, things going on with that, or, like, how'd your delivery go with that? Yeah, um, the delivery was great, actually, it was, we got there, they were on time, the car was in perfect condition, we saw one tiny spot, actually, uh, the next day, but nothing... Nothing major on it. Uh, overall, no complaints. The, the white on white is absolutely amazing. <laughs> and um, only one odd, weird story to share from the delivery, though. 
uh, I stepped away. I was doing my own filming and checking things out, inspecting the car. And while my wife was going over it with the uh, delivery associate, he said, and there's the emergency release in the door. Never pull that. In fact, only pull it if you drive into a canal. It'll pop the door off. <laughs> she didn't mention that to me at all. Uh, my father-in-law came over uh, over that weekend, over the past weekend, and she took him out for a drive. And I said, yeah, you know, not only is the car amazing, but it's actually the safest car on the road. And he said, I don't know if it's so safe if the door can just pop off while you're driving. What? And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and that's how I found out what happened. And I said, no, 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 no. It's just a manual release. The door does not pop off. And uh, <laughs> they felt a lot better after that. But So he thought it was like an ejection seat or something? Where yeah, the, it I would come off the hinges? Like, cool. like don't, don't press the red button type of ejection seat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, she, my wife's been loving it. She takes all of her coworkers out for test drives around the block and... They basically think it's a spaceship. Uh, that That's the other part, too. I mean, going back to what we were saying about demand, this car is going to have a snowball effect because once the mm -hmm. owners take people for rides, and we're talking about, I mean, we experienced it. Remember, Ian? Your neighbor came over and says, oh, we finally got your car. And she was just yeah. like, she didn't, she was like, this thing's a spaceship. It's pretty cool. Um, it's, been, it's been nonstop like that at work, and I wish I had noted the source of this, but I, I saw something in the last few days that said there's already this effect of orders popping up all around where new cars are being delivered. Like, they're already seeing the spinoff effect of this. is like people in certain areas. So, like, if four cars get delivered into a certain neighborhood of a city, all of a sudden, bang, 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 new orders seem to be popping up around it. So Hashtag this is real. Hashtag snowball effect. That's what I put exactly. on one of my tweets today because it's absolutely yeah. true. This car just has that magnetism about it that people just, their eyes just bug out of their head. Uh, you open the door, right? And it's just like, whoa. And then you take them for a ride. And it's just instant sold. It's like the nature of the questions changes from like, oh, what's this thing all about to like, where do I buy one of these? Yep. Right. Um, now, of course, interesting because Erica was also commenting a little bit earlier on the sales uh, situation. I've noticed an inordinate amount of people moving up to the Model 3. And, uh, of course, there's a uh, hashtag going around on the Internet called it the Tesla Stretch. There's a lot mm -hmm. of discussions about it on the forum, of course. Some people are really stretching their budgets to get this. But, you know, for a lot of people, if you can do the math, it actually works out because, you know, you're saving quite a bit of fuel, especially in the northern countries like we are. Fuel is quite a bit more expensive. Um, so, you know, if you do the total cost of ownership, these cars certainly, uh, work out quite well for themselves. And that's, and that's something that's very key you're saying there, Trevor, because a lot of people just look at the cost of the car as is. They start breaking down the monthly payments. Maybe they go onto the online design studio and say, well, this car is going to cost me X amount per month. I can only afford X amount down and so forth. And it's understandable for some people. There is sticker shock, but as I always tell people when I see them in person, when I, they ask me on, on Twitter or Facebook, the key is look at your actual cost of ownership. How much are you spending on gas? Uh, how often you're changing your oil? How often do you have to replace your tires? When you look at the total cost of ownership of a uh, combustion engine versus an electric car, at the end of the day, you're always going to save money. And one of the greatest avenues for saving money is in your fuel costs. So here in Florida, for example, um, the average homeowner will pay about 11 to 12 cents per kilowatt for charging their vehicles at home. Now, superchargers are obviously more expensive, but you're basically paying for the convenience of charging faster. But even with that, you're spending roughly two-thirds less in electric costs for charging your vehicle than you are paying for gas. 
So if you have someone who's spending $600 a month, whether it's Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars for fuel for their car, and you tell them, listen, I can save you $300, $400 on fuel costs, and you go, well, in the course of the year, I could save thousands of dollars just on gas alone. That certainly makes up sometimes for the difference in your monthly payments. So, you know, electric cars are very easy to maintain. If you're not sure of that, just ask any electric vehicle owner. It doesn't have to be a Tesla owner. Just ask anyone. Ask a Bolt or a Volt owner from Chevy. Let them tell you what it is. Electric cars are so crucial to how we're going to advance um, climate change um, uh, practices and everything else. So believe me. It's not expensive to own one. It's very simple. And if you haven't driven one, drive one. Again, any brand, just get behind a car. But the Model 3 on its own is perfection. My opinion. But still, I think it's perfection. I'm trying to, I, I would definitely agree with you. Um, you know, before we started the show, you were also telling us about that study that you read um, on the climate change situation. Right. And unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to read it and stuff, but um, there were some interesting points in there. Did you, maybe you just want to reiterate for some of the viewers and the listeners what, what was yeah, going on in that. Sure, absolutely, really quick. So uh, for those of you that do not know, um, we have um, this, this group that comes together. It is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or the IPCC. Now, these are representatives from almost all the countries in the world that come together, uh, usually in Europe, to discuss how we're going to combat climate change. Um, and the there's a report coming out very soon. Uh, essentially, there's these different sub-panels among the main panel for the IPCC, and they're talking about how we're trying to curb and get away from the 1.5 degrees centigrade um, temperature increase that will, at some point, if we hit that mark, would be irreversible. Uh, and we would see systemic cataclysmic changes across uh, the entire globe. So one of the things that they mentioned in this story uh, was how to be very aggressive in combating this problem. Uh, and one of the things they mentioned is really uh, a monumental shift towards total decarbonization. And they mentioned in this story, it would include such things as, lo and behold, no more gas-powered vehicles, uh, a phase-out of coal-fired power plants and airplanes running on biofuels. So again, that first part, the idea of having no gas-powered vehicles at all, Tesla is doing its part, and it's been here for over 14, 15 years now, essentially doing its part to not just remedy the problem here on American soil, but it knows it's a global problem. This is a humanitarian issue, and Tesla, you know, for all the naysayers and the deniers, you're essentially saying we want companies like Tesla to fail. For right or for wrong, whatever the reasons are, it's stupid. It really is, in my mind, stupid because you're literally saying the hell with climate change. It's already going to happen. Don't bother trying to combat it. And Tesla's saying, whoa, we can do something. We really can. And we're going to try to do it in ways that, A, has never been done before, has never been pushed this aggressively. And at the heart of its mission, it's about trying to accelerate the globe to becoming sustainable and using sustainable energy. So when the IPCC essentially has this brain trust of people saying we got to do everything we can to combat this climate change problem, and Tesla's going, hi, we're here trying to do our part, it's only reinforcing the significance and the weight of this problem. And if you don't want to see Tesla succeed, uh, find a planet, go to the moon, just get the hell off of our surface because you're not helping the problem. You're only going to make it worse. So basically get off my lawn. <laughs> 
<laughs> we, you know what? It, it, yeah. it, it, thanks for that, Eric. That was uh, very succinctly put. I'll, I'll definitely have to read the article. Um, we need more companies like Tesla doing more in the energy sector, in the sustainable energy sector. Tesla can't do it by themselves, although they certainly have a good foothold um, and head start on a lot of people. I, I think in a lot of ways, the energy side of the business is going to really start growing more and more once we get more projects like what they did in Australia, of course. Uh, they just reported, I think, uh, the, the, the Australia projects actually made money now. So in that in a very short amount of time, yeah. so it's looking really promising. Um, they just got to keep you know building out the Gigafactory and start start moving that that um, that situation. I think in the other thing too that it brings me uh, to a point that I want to make that Tesla seems to be accelerating their plans for the China uh, Gigafactory because mm-hmm. one of the things that they mentioned in their in their quarterly numbers, of course, is that they're suffering. Uh, because of large import tariffs on their cars, I think it's up to forty percent on their cars. So, um, yeah. So, if they're turning that into not only a factory for building, um, you know, cars and doing cells and stuff, that uh, they certainly have a good foothold there. All right. Well, uh, all good news. Uh, Trev, and, one last. Yeah. Uh, go, go ahead, Michael. Real quick, one thing I wanted to add. Um, we've got two high power wall chargers on order, but right now we have none. So we're actually sharing a the UMC for the cars. Mm-hmm. And it was something my wife was really nervous about up front was, you know, how are we going to handle two cars? What could happen? So I don't know if anyone could see this. It's uh, a little blurry. Maybe. I see it there. 8.30, my car's full. After the show's done recording, unplug my car, plug her car in. Every day we leave with a full charge. And that's the inconvenient way of sharing one plug. So really, really easy to manage a uh, an electric car, even two, as long as you can get near a, a faster charging plug. Yeah. Ian, you were going to do something similar to that because I remember at your place, uh, you had two wall connectors because you have a Chevy Volt as well, 2013. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Exactly. And you were going to get a, I think you told me you were going to get a Tesla tap, right? To hook up to Bridges' uh, car. She's going to use that car from now on? Yeah, I got to say, even for those of you who don't currently have Teslas or are going to be like a a partial Tesla household like we're going to be, the Tesla Charger. tends to be still the best value. I mean, at 500 US, 633 Canadian, they're hard to beat. I mean, anything else that has the kind of charging uh, capabilities, I mean, it'll go up to 80 amps, right? And we, we can only use 48 on uh, on Model 3. But even even to get a, a 48 amp charger, you know, is, is like a, I know in Canada, it's like a $1,000 plus proposition. The other thing that's awesome about the Tesla charger is it's, it's intelligent and you can daisy chain them, meaning you can have up to four of the uh, wall connectors all on the same circuit. And what they'll do is they'll load share based on which car has the most demand. So in our case, the Volt can only ever use 16 uh, amps. It's a 3.3 kilowatt charger. So it's not a particularly power hungry car. And um, my Model 3, of course, will go up to 48 amps. About the most I want to put on my box at this point is the 60 amp circuit. I might be able to go a little higher, but I can easily do 60 amps with what we got. So what's cool is we can have both of them connected, both of them charging. And when the Volt is connected, I'll get the remaining 32 amps that are available because on a 60 amp, uh, circuit that means you have 48 amps available to charge the cars you only ever use 80 percent of the maximum capacity of the circuit so we divvy it up so that the volt gets the 16 amps i get the remaining 32 and when the volt is not plugged in i'll get the full 48 and e- even as my car starts to reach maximum you know the, the rest goes to the volt when the volt's finished charging well then 
it'll automatically divert the full 48 to my car. So really cool system, very affordable. The only thing being, of course, is you need, as Trevor pointed out, the Tesla tap. That is the adapter to take the Tesla proprietary connector and um, change it to the uh, J1772, the SAE socket that the Volt and most other EVs have. Now that's going to be in another, I think they're around $249. Yeah, they're $250 US, I think it is. $250 US, something like that. But uh, there again, uh, you know, tack that on to the 500 US for the charger. You're still talking a reasonable amount. Yeah, still a really and, good deal. And you have a Tesla tap. So if ever you wanted to plug the Volt or whatever your other EV is into a, a Tesla destination charger somewhere, you have that capability. You've got that part lying around. Excellent. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the wall connector, in my opinion, and I've looked at a lot of other units out there, absolutely the best deal as far as an EVSC that you need for your house. So for those of you who are um, still haven't set up, oh, this is the other thing too, and I'm going to, I don't mean to be jumping around here, but um, I did have an opportunity to, uh, before I came down to see you last week, is I did my part um, in helping delivery orient new owners uh, here in Ontario yeah. during, during the third quarter delivery event. And I would say a good solid 50 plus percent of the people I talked to still didn't have their charging situation sorted out for the Model 3. Um, they didn't know what they were going to do. They said, well, I'm just going to plug it in. I'm on the street. I mean, I heard it all across the board. Um, so those of you who are still waiting for a Model 3, please do yourself a favor and call an electrician. Uh, get your charging situation sorted out. Um, it is not fun to charge on 120 volt, especially if you have rather long distances. Uh, when I was in Montreal last week, <clears throat> I stayed with my cousin for a couple of days, and my poor car hung off of his uh, 8 amp 120 volt circuit for literally almost 48 hours. And uh, it was brutal. <laughs> now, you know, if you're going somewhere and you're staying there for like a week, who cares? But on a daily basis, uh, it's, it's like I don't wish it on my worst enemy. So do yourself a favor. Make sure you get a 240-volt circuit set up. Even if it's a NEMA 50, uh, 1450, it doesn't matter. I think as, as far as the EVSE is concerned, or Tesla's wall, wall connectors, they call it, is uh, is a matter of convenience. It's the least expensive EVSE you can buy on the market. It's the most intelligent, and you don't need adapters to plug it in. It just it just works. So highly recommended. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Where's version 9 of the firmware? What's going on? I mean, here I we are. It, it's like the worst thing ever. I can't. I can't stand waiting. It's it's driving me insane. It's like I want my iOS. What is going on, 13? man? <laughs> Hashtag first world problems. Yeah, I know. Well, Elon did say last week, of course, um, that it was imminent. Uh, hopefully, rolling out the last um, last few days of last week. And of course, uh, weekend came and went, and here we are, almost towards the end of this week. Nothing's happened. Um, he did send out a subsequent tweet and said that they were still ironing out a few more of the. Uh, uh, last-minute bugs or little edge cases, I think he put it. And uh, today, I think you also got a tweet. Um, oh, I know what it was because I asked him. I said, "What, what was, what was the situation?" And he said they've added an, an additional 
this is the key part, an additional 1,000 people to the early access program. So when he says additional, there's already 1,000 in there because uh, I think, Michael, you were the one that had told me that, the, that there was reportedly 2,000 people in the program now. So Elon basically confirmed that's exactly what they did. They had another 1,000 people. So hopefully it's coming out soon. Um, I mean, everybody's waiting for this. We've got the forums all set up. We've got it all broken down into different you know, subject areas, of course, because there's a lot of stuff going on in version 9. So those of you who are in the forum or out on the Internet and you want to check it out, um, you know, we're kind of ready for this, this software when it finally drops. Uh, we've got it kind of organized. So um, just a little bit of a public service announcements, uh, announcement. If you're on the forum, please do a search before you post anything about firmware. Iron. Don't create any more forum posts. We've got it all set up for you. Just go into the, the software in the firmware section. You'll see them. They're all tagged at the top. Um, yeah, so in preparation for this, uh, of course, uh, Tesla sent out a new update to the Tesla app on uh, iOS as well as Android. And it uh, basically adds a bunch of features specifically for version 9. Now you can install it on your phone right now, but some of these features don't come live until you actually have version 9 on your car. So uh, here's a few things. And I have some screenshots here that I pulled up. There's a gentleman who did a, a YouTube video and gave us a few screenshot uh, snapshots here. So I'll just show you the first one. Um, here's an example. for um, In this example, he has the, uh, I think it's the, um, the Google Maps app. And when you pull up an address, you'll be able to tap the uh, share icon and it pulls up the, uh, the little share function. This is on iOS, by the way. I'm sure Android is the same way. And uh, if you enable the share function inside the Tesla app, you can then send that address to your car uh, so that when you get in the car, the address is just sitting there on the screen ready to navigate. So that's a really, really cool feature. I like that a lot. Trev, uh, if you go, can you go back one screen? Yeah, sure. Here you go. Just to let everyone know. So if you don't see that when you look in that row where you see Tesla, scroll all the way to the right to where you see more, you can enable I Tesla and then position it where you want. Yes, that's true. It's not on by default. So you actually have to go into the Tesla app or the settings in iOS and actually enable that. Um, yeah. And uh, some other stuff that came up. Uh, finally, we will have the ability to do a software update. So when there's a software update on your car, it means that you will not have to run out in the rain or the snow. You can actually apply it from the phone. Again, you need I, uh, this, this, this new uh, firmware on the car before you can actually do that, but the functionality is built into the app. So when you uh, tap software update, you'll get the screen that says, do you want to install now? It takes approximately 45 minutes. And of course, when you allow it uh, to go, you'll get the notification. Interestingly, too, there's also one that says cancel the update. Now, I don't know if that's on a timer, like in the car, if you got a two-minute timer, if it goes away. But uh, yeah, there's some really uh, interesting things. Um, what's the other thing that they added? Let's see here. I don't have a screenshot of it, so I'm just going to kind of go back over yeah. here. Media controls from the app. Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's it. Um, being able to do media control for passengers or anyone else in the car. Now, I'm going to assume that they need to be tied into the same Tesla account. I don't know, uh, but passengers will now be able to control um, media that's playing on the uh, on the screen on the car from their phone, which is which is kind of a neat thing. Um, right. So yeah. Uh, it requires Tesla 3.6 on iOS or an Android. That's a version of the app, by the way. And the firmware in the car has to be at least 2018.39. Uh, well, I think the latest point update that I've seen is .2 or .3. So Tesla is still doing little point releases uh, to the early access people. I think uh, Mark Benton has been posting some of that stuff out on Twitter. So if you want to look him up, I'll, I'll put a link in the uh, video in the, in the show description if you want to check out his Twitter feed. He's been posting some information on that. So 
Um, I think there's been also some other people that have been saying, oh, you know, I got the software update on my car. I hope it's version 9. I hope it's version 9. And uh, so far, we haven't seen anybody get version 9 yet other than uh, people that are in the early access program. So usually it's a little point update in preparation for this. So the official version um, of, of, of the firmware on, on the Teslas that is officially version 9 is 2018.39. A third digit. And we don't know what the third digit is when it finally drops, but uh, yeah, so far it's like dot two or dot three. So look for that hopefully sometime soon if Elon is to be believed. Again, Elon time is a real thing. <laughs> we know this. Uh, it was just everybody's got their like they're all antsy because this is such a big update. It's it's just crazy. So um, I have this interesting question. Um, this is not this is part more rhetorical. Mm-hmm. So we know like with iOS and Android since we talked about it with the uh, the mobile app just a moment ago. We know what the adoption rates are for when a new version of iOS comes out. It's like when iOS 10 and 11 and 12 comes out. Like, you know, people are quick to get to their phones. They're like, I got to get it and get an update. I'm curious to know when version 9 rolls out, how quickly the adoption rate is going to skyrocket to like 80%, 90%, and so on. Um, I'm guessing, I mean, again, we know the car notifies you, but still I'm wondering if people, like the day that they get notified, how many cars that day have version 9 installed within well, 24 hours. Well, we'll never know those actual numbers because Tesla yeah. won't reveal it, but um, judging from what I've seen on the internet, uh, talking to a lot of people, this is the update that everybody is really looking forward to. I mean, like as soon as it shows up, I'm like, I'm installing it. Even if I'm right. on the road, I'm going to pull over and install this thing. Don't do that, of course. <laughs> and again, if you're on the forum, don't create seven different forums going, it says I can update. Why can't I update from my phone? You, yeah, have, to, you have to have version nine first before you can do that. That's right. Please be a good citizen on the on just, the forum. Do a search first. Just do a search, please. <laughs> you, you, you can Google it. Just find it. It's there. Yeah. And I would say the rhetorical question on top of yours is, Will it actually be pushed wide to everyone when it drops, or will they do another slow but steady rollout? Stage. I've heard it both ways. Traditionally, Tesla's always put these out in little waves as they go out, um, but we've been hearing some little rumors and stuff that this one might drop all at once. So we'll see when the when the time comes. Um, again, we don't have any concrete evidence on that, but uh, yeah, we'll see when that comes out because this is this is like I said, this is a big update. A lot of a lot of things going on in this. Of course, you know, the dash cam thing everybody's talking about. We're not really going to rehash a lot of that stuff here on the podcast, but it's pretty basic at this point. Um, Tesla has said that they're going to be continuing to update the dash cam firmware and functionality. Um, in preparation for this, if you want to use the dash cam function, you'll need to secure yourself a USB key formatted as uh, FAT32 and you have to create a folder in there called Tesla Cam, uh, capital T, capital C all together and that's where the clips will uh, will go into so uh, you know as it turns out it's not cloud based it's it's going straight onto a USB key so those of you who uh, who may have a a nomad or a jetta wireless charging pad you'll have to get yourself a USB hub or something like that because it will use one of the front USB ports you cannot plug it into the back because those are uh, uh, power only they're not data only the two front ports so if that's what you want to use um, go there as I suspected, uh, the basic features of the dash cam are not as good as, say, something like a black view. So if you really want a lot of features, cloud features, all that kind of stuff, uh, always on function, of course, because the Tesla dash cam will not have always on function. It's only when the car is powered on. So, uh, yeah, third-party dash cams are always better. But, hey, this is software. It can be improved over time. So, anyways, really looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, really cool when it finally drops. Um, last but not least, oh, did you want to make a comment? Anything? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, on, on Model 3 Owners Club, there is a... Someone did share a clip of how big the files will be. So yeah. if you want to kind of gauge how big of a USB card to get, 
that'll kind of help situate you. Yeah, good idea. I think anywhere from um, 16 to 32 gig would probably be enough for most people. Um, I got especially for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made the mistake. I mean, I I went and bought a 256 gig for my media, and I literally put my whole iTunes collection, like everything, on this key, and that was a big mistake because. Every time I, per, I turn on my car, the bloody media player in my car wants to index the whole drive, and it literally takes about 10 minutes. So in this case, smaller is better until they fix this uh, this this constant indexing situation. I don't see any reason why it has to index every time power's on. So that's a little bit of a, a feedback thing that I have to give back to Tesla, you know, fix that problem. But um, yeah. Anyhow, uh, moving along, Ian, uh, we did some runs last week in your Performance Model 3, and uh, we I published the video today, so those of you who want to check it out, I'll put a link uh, down below in the uh, video description or the uh, podcast, and you can check out the video. We were able to break the record. So, um, yeah, and you did, some more, you did some more testing today, so why don't you fill in the, the listeners and the viewers, of, of course, what we were able to achieve. Well, I, th I think the video does tell the story uh, in much greater detail, so I don't want to rehash that for those of you who've already seen it, or if you haven't, then I encourage you, go have a look, and then what I'm about to tell you makes a lot more sense. But uh, yeah, I think we can rightfully claim that we broke the 0-60 to 60 record, which stood previously uh, at 3.13 seconds, and we knocked a whole one-hundredth of a second off. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, at this point, this is basically barstool bragging rights. I'm not going to uh, really claim that, yeah, we just smashed it out of the park. We, no. we more or less put a tiny little dent in it, and I, it comes down to, I think, the accuracy of the instruments. It would be interesting for uh, for Eric, the previous, or let's call him co-record holder, to you know, for him to swap instruments with us back and forth and see what we would get. But, yeah, I mean, I, as far as the number, uh, the Beltronics unit we're using seems to be pretty accurate. It certainly was very consistent. I mean, the first four runs we did on the OE wheels, we were getting 3.20 seconds. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm very happy with the consistency of that unit. Uh, and it was borrowed from some of my friends at Guide de who are a fairly savvy uh, vehicle testing organization here in Quebec. They're well-respected journalists. So um, the numbers were solid on the uh, on the first set of runs at 3.20 with the factory 20-inch performance upgrade wheels. We then swapped to um, a set of fast FC04, um, lightweight flow-formed 18 by 9-inch wheels with some Yokohama 255 40R18 um, Advanced Sport V105s, uh, a somewhat stickier tire with a 240 treadwear. It's still it's street legal, more, though. We have to make a still point street of that. legal. Yeah, yeah, it's not even really a DOT competition tire. It's for people who do want to track occasionally, but want a tire that's mostly going to spend its life on the street. That's how this car is going to go. I wanted something that would handle the track. Um, but mostly live its life on the street. And uh, there's a huge amount of feedback um, on the YouTube channel already about the tire choice size. A lot of people are like, wow, you picked a shorter tire. There's a lot more wheel gap. How come you didn't go with a 265? There's a lot of calculations that went into figuring this out. And a lot of it had to do with the weight because as much as light, uh, lightening the wheels, and we did knock nine pounds off per corner compared nine, to... 9.2 the... to be exact. Well, thank you, Trevor. So, yes. <laughs> I'm glad you're paying attention. The uh, yeah, knocking nine pounds off a corner is not insignificant. Uh, and then some people are like, "Well, you only knocked like uh, what is it, a tenth of a second off off the car stock time? You know, or barely that, eight one hundredths, uh, if you want to be truthful." Um, 
So what's what's the deal with that? Well, you got to remember, this is a car that's already lightning quick to begin with. So even going from 3.20 to down to the time we achieved 3.12 seconds uh, represents a 2.5% increase uh, in the acceleration time. And that's not insignificant just for knocking a few pounds off per corner. So yeah, is it justifiable on its own? Certainly not seat of the pants. No one can ever feel the difference. But if you're out for bragging rights, sure, why not? And you know, it, the faster you go, actually, the more of a difference it has because the inertia you're overcoming tends to get multiplied with the RPM of the wheel. Um, what'll really be interesting is when Tesla uncorks these cars, because uh, this to me is is a part of the new findings. Um, as Trevor mentioned, I went out and did some own some more runs just this afternoon, just after leaving the office. We, we still had a little bit of warm weather and sun here. And uh, during the tests, you'll notice that I was running around 86, 87% state of charge. And as we know, people optimally say you got to be in the 90 to 100 range if you want to get the most of the car. So to test this theory, I charged the poor little thing to 100%. It didn't stay parked oh, there. Oh, no. Oh, no. For all of you battery nerds, You're it didn't stay there all day. your battery. I know. You know. No, it was at 100%. <laughs> horror as marlon brando would say the horror uh no it, it, it was at 100 for all of about three and a half minutes it's such a horrible thing you know? <laughs> not bad not bad so i immediately took it out so as not to harm it and immediately started burning off electrons you'll all be relieved to know and yeah despite my best efforts i got two back-to-back two-way runs of exactly count it 3.12 seconds so that's as good as we can get by knocking the weight out of it. Uh, I don't think it's a traction issue. As a matter of fact, I got a lot more tests in mind where we might go with an even lighter weight set with potentially narrower, stickier tires. And I think that might be the way to go because I don't think we can really exploit the traction of the 255s as it stands. And here's why. And I think anyone who's driven a Performance Model 3 would agree. This car does not launch as hard as a P85D Insane, Correct. which has very comparable numbers in zero to 60. Uh, it doesn't have that violent, like, you know, shot off a catapult feeling. I mean, it's quick, but there's this kind of whoop before yep. it takes off. Yeah. And that to me reeks of it's being throttled. I think for durability, drivetrain, whatever purposes, they're, they're trying to sandbag the car initially so they don't break axles or the final drive or any of the components. They're probably watching to see how it does over the next six months, a year. I mean, we've talked about this before, but now having launched the car so many times, I'm convinced that it's very soft at launch on purpose. And this extra little speed that may be coming that Elon had you know, hinted at months ago would be in the launch phase. Once the car hits about 20 or 30 miles an hour, it's all hands on deck. It pulls hard. That's where your cheeks get stretched and people start screaming <laughs> and all the rest of the fun happens. But off the line, there's more to be had. So until we achieve that, I think it's going to be go lighter again and maybe even narrow up the tires because we're, we're certainly not using all the launch traction we can even in slip start i mean as eric has noted in the us and his videos and so on we've all tried it and it doesn't seem to help and if this car really had that snap off the line it would be for sure um chirping the tires on on the slip start it's not doing that so i would tend to agree with you um this is not the first time tesla i mean if they did this it wouldn't be the first time because they did it last year um, cars that were manufactured, I think in, if I remember correctly, sometime after the spring of 2016 and going into 2017, they did a software update on all the cars because they had made some changes internally in the battery. And uh, the term was uncorking. And uh -huh. it was just a simple software update that service could push to the cars. And it literally shaved a one, one second 
off the car's acceleration. So in in Ian's case, I think, um, yeah, you're probably looking at some reliability testing and durability looking at the car, at least for the, uh, you know, initially for these cars. And then uh, they may be able to, you know, to, to tweak it a little bit later. So it would not surprise me. I mean, we were shooting for 3.0 seconds. I mean, that's really the number yeah. we were looking for. Um, I mean, I don't see with, uh, you know, a hundredth of a second or tenth of a second, it wouldn't be impossible to achieve. Maybe if we get one of the, you know, lighter, smaller ladies in the office, maybe to take the car for a ride. Without well, that was, that was being discussed today. You're absolutely right. And I mean, you know, I got 50 pounds on Eric. So right away, I'm at a serious disadvantage there. There's, yeah. there's extra so there's that to be done. Um, I mean, short of going extreme, which is, you know, pulling out the interior and so on and so forth to lighten it up even more, I, I don't think, no, we're looking at a stock car as much as possible. I mean, lots of people want to change wheels. I know you've had probably a couple of conversations with people on the phone today looking at changing wheels already because of the, because of the video. Um, yeah, right now it's, it's bragging rights. Nobody in the right minds really needs a car that goes, you know, zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds, or in this case, 3.12, but it's bragging rights. It's kind of fun. Or 1.9 seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even even less. I mean, we haven't seen the SpaceX package yet on the on the uh, on the Roadster. I would suspect the Roadster, when it does, uh, they'll probably hit 1.5 with the cold gas thrusters. That's my prediction. I had predicted for some time that uh, we would see low three numbers on the Model Three performance car. Glad I they didn't make a fool of me, of course. So. <laughs> all all good. All's all's well as ends well, I guess. On Except that. So, one question: zero to sixty, one point five. What are the odds somebody passes out? In the car while doing a zero to sixty run. <laughs> uh, I'm a fighter pilot. I could take it. I take ten G's on a regular basis. You could, yeah. No, I mean, you're most people are good for short periods like that, up to about six G's, and you'd have to be going a hell of a lot quicker than that. I think at one point five seconds, if my math is good, you'd be pulling about two G's straight forward. I've, I've done three G's in an aerobatic uh, aerobatic aircraft, and for for somebody who doesn't do that on a regular basis, that's no fun. Well, you're oh, going to go from G-forces yeah. to Jesus Christ forces. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just throw that out there. Yeah, that's, well. a good, that's a good question, Mike. Really? I'm, man, now I'm afraid. Okay. <laughs> Autopilot safety features. It's okay. Yeah. yeah hey, yeah. speaking of safety features, I'm not sure if you guys saw this. Uh, Tesla on its blog today uh, did. put out put out a story on their crash reports. Now, uh, this is something that, and I know this is, wasn't on our agenda, but I'm like, I remember this from today. Yes, please so, do. Yeah, so um, Tesla is now going to, on a quarterly basis, report their crash statistics. Uh, they call it the vehicle safety report. So it's going to be for each quarter of every year. Uh, and this first report that came out today highlighted the following numbers. Now, we estimate that uh, in terms of autopilot mileage driven, uh, that the entire fleet of cars has eclipsed 1.5 billion with a B miles driven. So when you're looking at these numbers, can kind of compare it to that. So... Over the past quarter, in quarter three, uh, Tesla registered one accident or crash-like event for every 3.34 million miles driven in which drivers had autopilot engaged. For those driving without autopilot, we registered one accident or crash-like event for every 1.92 million miles driven. Now... How does that compare to other vehicles? Well, Tesla tells you. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NHTSA, as uh, Trevor likes to say, the most recent data shows that in the U.S., there's an automobile crash every 492,000 miles. So think about that for a second. There's more cars for more manufacturers, and almost every 500,000 miles, there's a crash. Tesla vehicles, whether autopilots in or not, 
is almost 2 million miles driven before there was actually a crash related. And now, um, how does that compare to other stuff? Well, again, you heard those numbers there, but NH uh, TSA does not necessarily um, have uh, the near misses or what Tesla calls crash-like events. So if a vehicle swerves all of a sudden or has not a major accident, uh, that is also factored into Tesla's numbers, not with NHTSA. So it makes the numbers even more impressive that you're essentially driving the safest vehicles on the road, period. Excellent. And then when you actually do hit something, they are literally the safest vehicles on the road. Yes. Well, by design. By design. Mm -hmm. And of course, they have the best telemetry. So as soon as something happens, it gets reported right back to uh, um, right to the company. Yes. So yeah, you're driving the safest cars there is out there. You know, makes all of us feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside. Gotta like that. So nice. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think we're gonna call it an evening. So uh, as usual, where can people find you guys out on the internet? Where is uh, where um, Eric? I want you. Uh, take point on this one and where can people find you if they want to oh sure thank you very much everybody uh if you didn't get a chance to watch this video on youtube but you heard some stuff make sure you go ahead and uh get onto the youtube channel so you can see some of the photographs and uh videos that we put up there uh when we do our podcast so you can find me on twitter at the handle ec fix that is ecfix now there's a chance i will change my twitter handle sometime very soon i will not say what Ah. But if you have recommend if you have recommendations, I am always happy to hear them. Uh, send them to my Twitter handle at ecfix, and we'll take it from there. Excellent. And Michael, where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and of course Twitter at Teslatunity. And I'm Model Three Owners Club. So far, Model Three. Yes, and I understand you're going to have a new video dropping real soon. So look for that. Thank you. Yes. And Andy Harmony and Clover and Bumble and Friendster <laughs> and MySpace. MySpace? That's still a thing. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> and, and he's got his Lycos page, his GeoCities account. It, he's everywhere. <laughs> Michael is just everywhere. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, last but not least, Ian Pavelko, where can people find you? And uh, check out your uh, nice series of uh, weapon of mass adoption wear. Yes, well, um, I spend most of my social media time on Twitter. You can find me at Ian Pavelko. I hope you picked up uh, some new followers from the video. It's been nuts. I've about 150 followers just in the last week. Come on, we got to get that. Ten times bigger. thousand yeah. followers. I say that. Two weeks. Let's give... Okay, that's yeah. the challenge. Okay, yeah. people, All right. start following. Following. So, there yeah. we go. So at Ian Pavelko, you can find me there. Uh, of course, on Model 3 Owners Club forum, um, the handle is Mad Hungarian. And then there is my Teespring shop where I sell the Evolve and the new uh, shirt that you see me wearing in the video, the Weapon of Mass Adoption shirt, uh, which is um, Mad Hungarian's Evolve wear at Teespring. But uh, Trevor, I'm sure you'll be kind yep, of the link is in the, the link. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm just going to apologize to Wormhand, who put some nice comments on the YouTube um, just about today's release with the performance where we do the whole breakdown of what it takes to fit a performance model three uh he asked some questions about doing different spacer setups and why i chose the centering ring in front and space in the back we didn't have time on today's show but uh, i'll try and elaborate on that maybe a little bit uh further or i will direct you to um the wheel and tire text section on the forum i'm going to talk about it in way more detail and and if anybody has any really specific pointy questions please by all means you know drop something on there 
send me a private message. I really try to all answer everybody in, within 24 hours. So if you have questions about what you see in the video and you want to discuss more, I'll be glad to. And one last thing is I didn't discuss in the video the fact that we're going to have a fully machined wheel solution. You see centering rings, you see spacers. We've just today figured out how we're going to do the machining. So we'll have custom machined wheel solutions for all of you looking for 18, 19, or 20-inch wheels for your Performance Model 3 with upgrade coming to you soon from Fast Wheels. Excellent. Well, that's really great news. Well, uh, once we have that, we'll put that in the show um, video uh, description for the people listening out there. It'll also be in the show notes for the uh, for the podcast. So, uh, right. So that's the end of the show. I just want to say a big thank you to everybody out there who's listening. You can find me on Twitter. My handle's at Model3Owners. Check out the forum at Model3OwnersClub.com. That is absolutely the best place for you to be discussing Model 3. And uh, last but not least, want to say a big thank you to all of our Patreon sponsors. Uh, they're the guys that really make this show really happen. So if you check out the forum or uh, the Patreon page, you can find that patreon.com slash model3ownersclub. And uh, thank you uh, again to all of our sponsors who really make this happen. Really appreciate it. We have a new one, and you'll see it at the end of the video. And for that, uh, we'll leave it like that, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for uh, listening and watching, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. Good night. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you later. All right. All right, Marlon. (laughs) Good night, folks. (laughs) The horror.